Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Matt Fisher. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thank you, Mike. Happy to be here. Uh, before we get started, let me tell everyone about uh, at least one new show that's coming up next week uh, on Friday the 31st. Oh, it's what a, what a great day, Halloween. We have uh, Tom Quigley, and he's going to be talking about how to take advantage of the Affordable Health Care Act. He runs a um, third-party administrator company with his wife called Claims Link, and that should be a, a pretty interesting show. So if you have employees, make sure you listen next week. We have some interesting shows for November, but I'm not ready to announce them yet. Uh, on November 5th, we have rescheduled the uh, Eight Sandler Rules that have stood the test of time program. That's going to be at the Cincinnati Fire Museum. If you're interested in attending, uh, call the office, speak to Brittany at uh, 513-753-9400, extension 102. Uh, another program coming up in uh, November, on November, Wednesday the 19th of November, is uh, our last cold call camp of the year. So if you're in a position or uh, where you have to make cold calls or you're a company owner and you have a team of people making cold calls, if you want them to be more effective, get through to more contacts, get uh, all of their voicemails, and it will only be about 80% of their voicemails returned, then they need to be here on the 19th of November. Uh, mention you, you heard about the uh, cold call camp here on the radio show, and Brittany will give you an instant $100 discount. Okay. Let's tell everyone a little bit about you, Matt Fair. He's smiling. Uh, Matt spent the first 21 years of his career uh, counting his awards at the venerable Madison Avenue agencies like uh, DDB, uh, Young and Rubicamp, Hill Holiday, BBDO, it kind of sounds like an accounting firm, uh, FCB, uh, and, and he worked with uh, clients like AT&T, Time Magazine, Pepsi, Frito-Lay, Starbucks, just to name a few. In uh, 2002, uh, Matt took his talents to Cincinnati where he joined a long-term, a long-term friend, Greg Livingston, at a nationally recognized agency, Wonder Group. In 2010, he and Greg joined forces to start Curiosity. Uh, since their powers combined, advertising has never been the same. We'll have to talk more about what that means. Uh, Curiosity advertising is a neat combination of traditional full-service offerings with unconventional creativity. Uh, do people like unconventional uh, creativity, Matt? Only when it's backed with terrific strategy. Ah, the third leg of the triangle. To make a company successful, you need strategy, people, and process. Correct. Uh, let's see. Uh, you founded the company with, with Greg in the belief that you were going to experiment with a purpose, uh, push in one direction, uh, our clients will thrive. Uh, that approach has kept your agency fresh. Uh, and you work uh, exceptionally well with your clients, and, and that, that goes beyond uh, business. Correct. So since you wrote that, tell, <laughs> tell me what it means. Well, it just means that we really look for clients who are going to be partners with us, mm-hmm. uh, that they want more than just a vendor status, somebody who just fills in the gaps, uh, but they really want somebody who's going to help them be strategic, uh, really help them. Uh, figure out uh, what the future holds from a technology perspective as well as how consumers are going to behave in the future. So when we have a a client relationship that is really strong based on trust 
and mutual respect, we're really able to do a lot of things that uh, we're very proud of and I think uh, really helps our clients get to a place, a much faster, better place uh, than if they were just uh, in a different scenario with a different type of company. Mm -hmm. When you say partner, uh, that doesn't mean you you, you base your uh, revenue billing on increase in sales, does it? Uh, No, but there are different types of metrics that uh, we always obviously want to measure the work that we do and and have uh, metrics for success and be able to help our clients understand that the money that they're spending, they're getting a return on in that investment. And so with them, we'll help them figure out what are the metrics and the objectives that we want to measure and then how are we going to track those analytics and how will we report those back in a way that's meaningful and helps inform the future. Uh, Could you give our listeners an example of a metric? Well, that could be anything. So if it was social media, we would be be measuring engagement and uh, time on the site, uh, time, number of page views, uh, the number of uh, fans, the number of folks who will leave comments, uh, share. Uh, If it's uh, a content that is being syndicated, it's the amount of content that's being moved around and the, the, the broader the audience that we see. So those are the metrics we'll look like at those things. For some of our clients, they're retail. So the cash register is probably the biggest metric of all. If, if the cash register is ringing, uh, we're successful. If it's not, uh, we're looking to plan B. Yeah. Uh, approximately how many clients do you serve here in the city market? We have uh, approximately 12 clients in our office, uh, and we uh, they're national in scope. We probably have five in the Cincinnati market, and the others are all dispersed around the country. And... Um, they range from technology and B2B all the way to, to a lot of consumer CPG and packaged goods type of uh, clients. So I'm curious, what brought you to Cincinnati back in 2010, was it? Well, a couple things. 9-11 was a, uh, a, a big game changer in New York. And so when I first moved out here uh, right after that, uh, it was a time when my wife and I decided that uh, things had changed a lot in New York. and It was a good time for us to to think about something different. My wife is from Cincinnati, and and though I had taken her away for 21 years, I didn't realize that uh, there's an unwritten rule here in Cincinnati that people are never allowed to leave. So coming back to her family here was a really great uh, experience for my family. My kids got to be around aunts, uncles, and cousins, and grandparents, and so it was just a really good fit. And I've been in really large agencies mm-hmm. in New York working on really large blue-chip brands. And so it was a great opportunity to, and at the same time, I guess I would add that the world was really changing more towards Internet and digital advertising. And mm-hmm. to that point, I had been pretty much a TV creative director. So mm-hmm. creating big, giant TV campaigns for clients like AT&T and Tropicana and it was an opportunity to learn all of the things that I didn't do in a big agency. So a small agency economics, learning all of the, the aspects of the trade that I really hadn't done for many years. So it was a great experience to get back and bring the big agency experience to a, a small agency uh, scenario. Yeah, that's the bingo. You, people uh, usually only get a two- or three-year pass uh, to leave Cincinnati, then they're uh, uh, the visa wears out, and they had got to come home. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, my story is a little bit different. Uh, my wife was transferred here with Heinz, and uh, we left L.A. because we didn't like L.A. anymore. Hope there's no one from L.A. listening. <laughs> uh, it was too crowded, and I agreed to come to Cincinnati for two years. I said it's got to be better than L.A., but if it isn't, we're only staying for two years. And here I am, 23 years later, it's still here. So pretty good place. It's best, one of the best kept secrets in America. Yeah, I, it's absolutely been a, a wonderful experience. I think probably the, the first and, and foremost biggest change for me is it used to take me three hours to commute back and forth, 12 miles in and out of New York City. We lived in northern New Jersey in a town called Montclair. Sure. And when we got to Cincinnati, I could get to the office in 15 minutes and be sitting at my desk. And I remember that first morning calling my wife just ecstatically happy, saying, I'm actually at my desk in 15 minutes. This is insane. So picking up two hours of your life every day uh, allows you to do a lot of things that I was not able to do in New York. So it's been a a Two hours or or is it more like four or five hours? Well, some days. (laughs) Some days it was. Yeah, Manhattan is a bad place 
to commute to. I, yeah, well, I, and when you're there, you just don't realize that you're in that grind and you don't recognize that there's a different way. But once we got to Cincinnati, I was very grateful. I figured I was, I'm going to live a lot longer being here. Right, right. Uh, people don't understand that I have a, a second uh, office up in Columbus, and it's a, an hour and 45-minute drive, and I get there out of my car, and I'm, I'm feeling fine. It's not like being in the subway or the Long Island Railroad. And uh, they look at me like I'm nuts. I say, well, this, this is much better than it was in L.A. or, or, or New York. Exactly. Uh, and getting the extra time is uh, is really important. Let's let's talk a little bit about your company. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your company okay. and, and, and your partner? So in 2010, uh, long-term friend Greg Livingston, who I had met after we had both graduated from different colleges, but we ended up in New York City at the same time and were introduced uh, then by my fiance. Uh, she he was a family friend of her family, and and uh, so I got to know Greg in New York. Uh, and we became best friends, and over the years we just stayed really close. And while he he was one of those that stayed for three or four years, and then got the call to come back to uh, to Cincinnati, uh, we'd still stayed close through all that time. And so in the 2002, when he called and said, "Hey, we're looking for somebody out here to help us grow this agency. What do you think?" And I think that was a, really a deciding factor for my wife and I to do that during that time. And um, it was a really great experience. And so in 2010, uh, two of our partners were uh, deciding that they wanted to. Uh, one wanted to retire and one wanted to focus on something else. So Greg and I decided at that point uh, it was a perfect time in the middle of a giant recession to start a new agency. And so we split off and started Curiosity on January 1st, 2010. And uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience thus far. So we started with just Greg and I, and then within a week we had seven people, and today we have 50. And so we've been on a, a big growth curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year we won the uh, Gehring Center uh, Private Business Award uh, for companies less than 15 years old. So we're very excited to have won something award, a prestigious award like that, so early in our tenure. But I think it's a, an example of a lot of the, uh, the hard work that we've been able to bring to our clients and the diversity of what we do. And so our world is really servicing clients uh, but what we do or what makes us different is that we really do the full 360 degree of communication today. So anything from the traditional things that you would see, which is billboards, TV, out of home, print, uh, whether it's magazines or newspaper, anything that would be considered traditional, we do that and we do that well. But we also have a very strong digital department that includes everything from building websites to microsites to social engagement uh, strategies, which is anything from social media to uh, bringing in partners who can help with anything from coupons to uh, syndicated content. All of those things are are very powerful. We have a media department that we just started uh, this month. We're very excited about that addition. And so it's just the company continues to grow as we serve our clients. And I think the reason that uh, we have been as successful as we have is that uh, it helps our clients those who really only want one throat to choke is the old joke, but one call and you get it all done, and you're not a, you're not bringing new people into the brand all the time and having to explain what the brand is about. And so our ability to really surround a brand around a, a strong team that really understands it and execute across any medium is really, I think, a strong suit for us. Well, that, that, that sounds like a, a good strategy. Uh, uh, what? Matt has agreed to answer questions from the audience. So if you have a question, the call-in number is 646-595-4916. Let me ask you uh, one last question based on what you just said, and then we'll go to a commercial break where we can screen the calls. Uh, What is a web microsite? So a lot of times uh, you'll have your big website that, where most of the traffic is driven, but occasionally you'll have a promotion or some special scenario where you want to drive an audience to a specific site. Usually a promotion is what it would be used for, and that is created for a limited time, but it looks like the regular website, but it's really just an opportunity to have a very special, uh, doesn't have to make the, the, the huge world 
and time cost effectiveness of, of making a huge website. You're just really creating a couple pages and it stands alone and it does everything you need to do. And then when it's run its course, you're able to take it down and, and move back to the main website. Ah, okay. That was like Bagotronics. Yes. Did you know what Bagotronics was? <laughs> no, I don't. After the break, we'll come back okay. and talk about Bagotronics. Uh, let's listen to uh, Jimmy Fox talk about Tip Club. Uh, the next Tip Club meeting is going to be Thursday, November 20th from 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. Jimmy, take it away. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat, please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, Matt Fisher. Uh, just giving Matt the opportunity to read the 2002 ad for Bagotronics. And uh, the headline says something like, Reverse Bad Business Decisions. <laughs> Fantastic ad. Yeah, I think it's great. I think uh, it's almost as good as milk of amnesia. If you could just go backwards and fix all your mistakes easily, that would be a wonderful thing to be able to do. Yes, they uh, and they have a picture of something that looks like a, a warped time machine. Uh, when you uh, went out to the site, there really was a site, bagotronics.com, and uh, it, it turned out that it was a uh, information processing system, hmm. a little company called IBM. Yeah, they're very small. Little little, little company. Uh, and uh, it, the idea was to, you wouldn't have to reverse bad business decisions if you had good information in the first place. Correct. So, uh, actually, there was a series of ads in the Wall Street Journal for Bagotronics. <laughs> I just kept it around for all these years because it, it, it really is, is quite strange. Uh, you guys have added in the last four years uh, a dozen accounts. How do you go to market? Do, do just the principles sell? or Well, I would say that there's two key ways. Uh, one is that our business is really primarily a relationship-driven business. So we have very strong relationships with our clients. And so often word of mouth or recommendation from them to other people. I think that clients typically call other clients and ask, who do you work with? Do you like working with them? Uh, do they do what they say they're going to do? Are they trustworthy? Uh, those are key factors, and so we see that a lot. We'll also see our clients who leave to go to other companies, and they'll call us up in their new place and say, hey, I need you to do for me what you did there. So those are always great. Um, we enjoy those. The uh, finding or prospecting for business that's outside of a relationship is a much longer sales cycle, and so we do a lot of outbound uh, marketing in terms of uh, white papers, blogs, 
uh, we do we publish research that we do something called the Curiosity 100, where we ask uh, 100 consumers every month a variety of questions about the use of cell phone at home or at the dinner table or what do you eat or what does dad buy at the grocery store, just things that are kind of interesting that we think um, a lot of folks would, would find interesting. And that gets a surprising number of people calling in and, and wanting to talk to us about that. Uh, we do uh, a lot of things. We try to show our culture, uh, which is an important part of our agency. We're curious. So uh, being a curious agency is one of the things of, that is important to us as being continuous learners. And, and we're in a world where technology is changing so rapidly uh, that if you're not a continuous learner, if you're not looking forward, and if you're not trying to figure out what job skills are you going to need in three years, you're going to be unemployed. Because mm-hmm. it's it's I tell our young people, you're going to reinvent probably 10 times in your career. And that's no fault of your own. That's just the way technology is driving things. So as a company, we have to be able to master that. And we have to be able to translate that. And we have to be able to articulate that very clearly to our clients. And so we really rely on that kind of outbound messaging to our clients and help them. And it really does help us establish and differentiate us in the marketplace. Winning awards helps. And um, are you a member of the Gehring Institute? Yes. Okay, so it helps to win. Yes, it does. And uh, but it's also I think that they're great in terms of uh, some of the training that they do. While we are a uh, a private business, mm-hmm. uh, we often act and behave like a family business because my partner and I have been friends for so long, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, we I think view our employees almost as though they're family, and so. We learned along the way that uh, we had to be a little bit introspective about that and, and think about things that we do as we plan for future growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken Lewis was on last week, the owner of New Rift Distillery, uh, to comply with the Kentucky law about distilling and uh, uh, retailing. Had to sell his retail company, Party Sauce, to the employees. Hmm. And he sounded pretty happy about doing that for them. That sounds great. It allowed him to become a legal distiller. Very good. In the state of Kentucky. Uh, what do you think the opportunities and possibilities are for uh, an advertising agency here in Cincinnati? Well, we have found it to be a really robust and great environment to do business in. Um, I think the folks that we meet out here uh, in Cincinnati and, and other parts of the country are really looking for options that don't exist in New York in Chicago and other big metropolitan areas where often the overhead cost of those agencies is so high, uh, they're looking for efficiencies and they're looking for ways. And while we're not inexpensive, just by the nature of being here in Cincinnati, we have a built-in competitive advantage. We're also in the middle of the country, so we can get to just about anywhere in a couple of hours versus across the country flights and things like that. So that's been helpful to us. So. Uh, competing for accounts in Chicago or New York or L.A., you you have a cost differential in favor of your agency. Yes, we do. And uh, we quite often uh, face agencies uh, in competition from Chicago and New York and have successfully won many of those. Good to hear that. You you ought to compete for some Sandler's business. Uh, Happy to do so. I'll I'll give you the name of the guys. (laughs) they wasted almost a million dollars on on golfers. <laughs> they probably won't like me for saying that. But for two years, they or three years, we sponsored PGA golfers. Well, that is one of the uh, things that you can do, uh, one of the tactics. Uh, but it uh, just depends on what you want to have uh, the outcome to be. Uh, I guess if you could, the positive is there were a lot of eyeballs on Sandler logos on golfers' shirts and hats. Yeah. So I hope they made the logo really big. Uh, I can't tell you there was any positive impact on, on my business, <laughs> and I helped pay for it. So, uh, But that's not positive, so I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, selecting an advertising agency, is that a short-term process or a long-term process? Well, it's very interesting that you bring that up, and I think that's a great question, Mike. Uh, it, it's interesting to us in that a lot of times, uh, if a marketer is selecting the agency, uh, 
the process is usually driven by trying to understand the differences of the agencies, the different personalities, the quality of the work, the, the strategic processes that they go through to get to the consumer insights that lead to uh, the, the creative brief that's really going to uh, unlock a great creative concept that's going to move their business. When it is run from a procurement office perspective, what we see is this desire to create an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. Mm -hmm. And frankly, agencies are nothing but personality. And so to choose an agency, I mean, it's like shaking hands. We, there's only so many ways to shake hands. And so most agencies have fairly similar uh, creative processes that they go through. So it's really about sitting across from somebody that you trust, sitting about somebody that you respect, sitting across from somebody that you think is intelligent and is going to be able to shed light. I'm glad you said trust first. Yeah. Shed light on your brand. Sure. And if you eliminate those aspects from a process of picking an agency, then you're really doing yourself a disservice. And then a lot of folks also make the mistake of uh, giving everybody a sample assignment to do, and then they compare all of that work when it comes in, and they pick the winner based on that. Oh, is that like the architects who compete to get on the short list for the design of the new building? Correct. And there's nothing wrong with that because you do get to see how somebody does tackle an assignment. But the bigger issue is if you, you make the decision solely on that, you may miss the opportunity to work, really work with somebody who you're going to enjoy working with, like working with, and great things happen when there is trust and there's a mutual respect and there is an open and free flow of information that allows the agency to really understand your problem and really solve it for you. And that's really difficult to do on limited information, and typically these processes are four to six weeks. And yeah, it, it short, short time frame, short fuse. Yeah, it's just it's a tough thing to do. Yeah. Uh, luckily, uh, the type of clients that we have relationships with uh, believe in disciplined processes. They believe in taking the time to do things right. Um, they will use a process to to decide which agencies have the capabilities and the things that they want, which we're happy to participate in. But all of our clients chose a different criteria other than just what was the sample work that you brought in that day. And I think that that's an important part of that. And, and for us, it's almost a self-selecting process as well. If the client that we're talking to, the prospective client, doesn't believe in going through a, a disciplined process to get to the answer, probably not going to be a good long-term fit for us because that's really in our DNA mm -hmm. and we know that. So sort of a red flag for us to say, hey, this may not be a, a good situation for us because if they're just looking for short-term results or they're just really looking for the cheapest option, uh, we're probably not going to be a good fit for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, uh, in the architectural world, uh, three architectural firms uh, compete to hit the shortlist, and the one that's selected discovers that uh, the, the two, some of the features and the two losers uh, in the shortlist wind up in the finished building, Yeah, whether it's a blue line around the top or something. Uh, usually the best processes, procurement and marketing, work together, and they try to just understand uh, both companies and how they're going to work together. And those situations usually end up very happy endings with great stories that come out of them. Uh, but uh, when... The process works that every agency gets exactly the same information, and if one agency asks a really intelligent question and then that answer is given to every other agency, sure, even yes. though they didn't think it was the question to ask, it's a little disheartening on our end that uh, a process that works that way. So uh, we really believe that we love those opportunities to show what we can do and show what it's like to work with us on our process and how to differentiate ourselves from our competition. And so when those opportunities are limited, uh, that gets a little frustrating. Right, right. Uh, and you're getting close to some of the things that we teach people in Sandler. Uh, we're going to take another a short commercial break here. Uh, we're going to listen to a couple of Sandler commercials, and uh, then we'll be back. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, Matt has agreed to answer questions, call in on 646-595-4916. And let's find out has stopped being shopped. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. 
What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 15 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. If you're a salesperson or a company owner, my message is critical for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the real secret of getting out of debt. Earn more money. Most salespeople and owners want to sell more at a higher price with better margins, but don't know how. I've helped hundreds of people and companies grow over 30% per year by making an investment in themselves. Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. I'm not for everyone. I'm tough, expensive, abrasive, and not politically correct. But if you want results, we need to talk. Call me at 513-646-6523. Give me your toughest questions. Then, if you qualify, I'll invite you in for a free meeting. 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with... Matt Fisher from Curiosity Advertising. Uh, I really like the name Curiosity. How did you guys come up with that? Well, when we were back at Wonder Group, we had always said uh, that our culture was that of a a curious culture. So curious people create great things. That's Mm -hmm. usually the first question, why? And when we decided to start our new company, uh, we were trying to figure out what the name would be, and, and we first thought about our last names and the alphabet soup type of things, mm-hmm. and we thought, well, that's really not what we wanted to do. And uh, one of us, I can't believe it, whether Greg, I think, suggested that, well, what about curiosity? And you, know, you would think that that would be a name to trademarked a million times over and taken by a hundred agencies. And so we looked, so, yeah. we looked online, and miraculously, it was not taken. And so uh, we quickly grabbed it and <laughs> trademarked it, and uh, so, it, so it became. And so you became Curiosity.com. Yes. Curiosity Advertising. Okay. Uh, you've had a lot of years of uh, leadership experience in various companies. Uh, perhaps you could give our listeners a leadership tip. Oh, great. Well, actually, I have two. Um, the first one is really uh, I'm in a creative business. In a creative business, there's a lot of passion. There's a lot of ideas. You you are trying to sell somebody an idea that does not exist. It's It's in your head. Uh, it's going to cost millions of dollars to to make it become reality. Um, Those things are incredibly uh, dynamic uh, ideas that need to to be sold. And one of the things that we have found in our organization is that generally in in most folks' world, uh, confrontation is a tough thing. People have a hard time uh, confronting each other, whether someone's doing a good job or a bad job, or they don't like the idea, or they would like to change the idea, or there's this, that, or whatever it might be. So I would, as a leader, I, one of the things I stand for is really healthy confrontation, which is commit together to to solve problems and be willing to challenge each other. Is this the best that we can do? Can we can we change this in a way that's better? And and so confrontation tends to be a tough thing for a lot of leaders and finding the right way to do it so it's healthy and uh, it builds a company versus destroys spirit, I think, is, is something that I think is worthy of any leader to spend time thinking about. Uh, the second thing, which I think is going to be music to your ear, uh, is that I really believe in training. Um, I've, the best advice I got was that the talent development was going to be the most critical parts of my ability to grow a company and that I needed to spend as much time with my clients as I do on talent development. 
And uh, that was a, a new thought to me. And as we began to explore this and create budgets to make it happen, I really saw a huge difference when we could teach and drive a principle or a process through the entire organization so that it didn't matter whether you were on the top of the heap or at the bottom, you could execute it flawlessly with confidence. That really gives our company an advantage. And so in today's world, it's really easy to cut that budget first or to say it's not valuable or to say they'll learn on the job or there are lots of ways that this is going to happen through osmosis. But the truth is it doesn't. It really matters that you have a program that's in place, you have HR helping execute it, you're measuring it, it's part of people's development plans, and it would be a critical part of their success. And I think, to me, if I was a leader, to advice to anybody is if you don't have a plan in place, you need to have one. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Sandler believes in long-term positive incremental growth. That's why we teach uh, 40 to 50 hours a month of training. Um, one of the uh, interesting new programs uh, was the leadership program, which we kicked off uh, this month in Cincinnati and Columbus. And uh, it was an absolutely phenomenal program. I don't want any other way to describe it. It went far better than my levels of expectation. Uh, we kept the groups down to about 20. And uh, in this first public run, we had people from multiple companies. Uh, but the most we had from any one company was six, and that was from a college we had the president of the college and all of her assistants and deans. It was it was a excellent, quite a phenomenal program. And when we, when we begin sales programs in companies, for the first eight weeks, we, we include everybody in the company, from the receptionist up. Could be the plant engineers, could be the production people. Sometimes it's the truck drivers. It's always the salespeople. Well, everybody's a salesperson today, and mm -hmm. so that's an important thing to remember. And uh, we tell our guys, you, you got to be able to articulate what this brand is about to your neighbor across the fence or to a friend because you have no idea who you're talking to. I can't tell you how many times I've sat on an airplane, struck up a conversation with a person next to me, and it's turned out to be a great connection that's led to business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, now that you say that, uh one time I I had a business in Vegas, and uh, I was uh, flying from L.A. to Vegas, and it was a, wind, a sandstorm in, in Vegas, so the planes were delayed because the engines are underneath the wings, and the pilots don't like to screw the engines on the tarmac. So uh, we finally get up in the air, and I'm, I'm dressed in a business suit, and I'm sitting next to a guy who's wearing a set of jeans and a khaki shirt. And I strike up the conversation with him. It turns out he was uh, the longest sitting city co city congressman or alderman in, in Las Vegas. And he was a, a licensed private investigator, a privileged license. And uh, I was selling uh, electronically monitored house arrest systems. Well, there you go. He actually bought one from me. <laughs> Perfect. I, I loved it because the first client that the judge put on was a maid in a hotel who was convicted of prostitution. And, and where did she live? But in the motel. <laughs> it was a uh, an interesting experience selling house arrest in Las Vegas. Uh, what motivates you to make tough decisions? Matt? Well, that's... Two things I would say. I'm lucky that I have a partner that I do, so uh, we're very different in the way that we approach problems. So he is more analytical and I'm more big picture, and I think our complements and strengths really uh, work well together and uh, our weaknesses and our strengths. So those things help us do this. And I think we always look at uh, the, the bottom line is, will it make our company stronger? And sometimes things are hard and things are painful uh, and you you can't always have the easy answer or do the easy thing but you have to think about where you want to be in three to five years and, and if you really believe that this is the thing that you're going to do to get there and you have conviction then you have to make those decisions but the good news is that if you've done your homework and you've thought about it and you've talked it through and you really have uh, spent the time to, to consider the tough things generally the path forward is pretty clear 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the internet is one of those things that's changing all the time. What are some of the uh, the newest concepts that uh, business owners in the small and medium sized marketplace might not be aware of that they really should be watching? Well, I'd say there's two really big area, which is your ability to geo-target or to target specific uh, areas uh, is quickly uh, becoming an amazing uh, asset to marketers uh, because depending on where somebody is or what they're doing, you you have the ability to target them while they're mm-hmm. doing that. And that is only going to get more sophisticated so as time goes when on. when I'm walking through the Kenwood Mall, you want an ad to pop up on my phone? It's absolutely, and that's the second big thing that's happening, which is mobile. And most people don't realize but that uh, the vast majority of websites today are being accessed by mobile smartphones as well as tablets. And so how your website uh, works on those small screens is super critical to your success. And your ability then to market or advertise on those small screens is also important, which means you can't say everything that you've ever wanted to say. You have to prioritize your messaging. Mm-hmm. You have to think about what is the thing that the consumer really wants to understand about your brand that's going to make a difference. And it means making choices. And for a lot of folks, that's a tough thing to do because they're used to having the kitchen sink in their messaging. And so it's like, you, especially the small business guy wants every dollar to count, but the mobile is going to be a, a big, big thing, and I think you're going to see uh, that a lot of the uh, advertising in the future for a lot of these small companies is going to be moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Is it important uh, to have videos in your web page and your ads? Absolutely. So the, the Google Analytics, which they run the roost, I mean, mm-hmm. they are the biggest, uh, they continually are changing their algorithms uh, to really reward content. And content generation is really important for any brand. And it needs to be interesting content. I mean, no one wants to sit and watch something that's boring, dry, and dull. So you have to think about how can you watch it for 10 seconds. Well, yeah, but then they're going to disappear and they're probably never going to come back. And so the key thing is we're storytellers. And even if you're a small or medium-sized brand, you need to be a storyteller. And you need to figure out what is the story that you want to tell that's going to have intrigue, that's going to have a story arc that's going to cause people to listen and understand really what differentiates your brand from the rest of them in your category. And then the other aspect of that is uh, SEO is so important today in terms of search engine optimization. Search engine optimization is so important in terms of being found um, that content is really, really being rewarded strongly by Google, but they're changing that algorithm all the time. So uh, it's difficult there are a lot of companies that sprung up to be experts in that. It's a tough business model to just be an expert in that because if Google changes your business model every six to nine months, you're scrambling. So Is it that slow? I thought it changed faster it, than it's that. It's definitely faster. But one of the things that you need to know is that there are things where you are telling stories on your website and you are giving um, customers information uh, that is meaningful you will be rewarded in SEO. And so there are lots of things that can be done to enhance your ability to rise in the rankings naturally so you're not spending money uh, uh, against SEM, which is that you're trying to buy you know, words and all the things that do. And it's not that that stuff's bad. It serves a purpose. Well, pay-per-click brings you up at the top above the generics. Which is very good, but uh, you really want your SEO to be working. And, and to that content generation and content generation can be anything that you have on your website but again you know articles and things that you write and distribute in this television or this radio show that we're engaged in right now is a perfect example of how that will help you in terms of rate rise in the ranks in search mm-hmm. well, i think it really has helped me if you type in uh Sandler Training Cincinnati, I should be number one. If you type in Sales Training Cincinnati, I should be number one there you go. in the generic search. Yes. Again, if you have any questions for uh, Matt Fisher, the number is 646-595-4916. We're going to listen to a Sandler rule, and uh, then we'll be right back. We're going to listen to Sandler rule number 21.
Hi, this is Paul Lanigan with Standard Training, and I'm here today to talk to you about Rule 21. Sell today, educate tomorrow. Christmas 2002 was a special Christmas for me because I'd just completed my first year in business, but I had a problem. I had a very fast-looming tax filing deadline. Coincidence, our luck would have it that there was, there's a well-known accounting software company that had a 10-day trial software offer that was in a local business periodical. I called the company and I had my credit card in one hand, phone cradle like this under my chin, and I called the number. A very pleasant sales rep answered the phone and asked me how she could help. I said, I'm interested in that software package that you have. Straight away she said, oh that's our new product, it's just released, and it'll do all your VAT returns for you automatically. Now VAT is a type of transaction tax we have in business in, in Ireland, but the problem is, sales training companies are exempt from VAT tax. So I told her this. So she then reached into her bag of features and threw another one at me. This will manage all your inventory for you. Of course, it's a training company. We don't have a lot of inventory. You see, she was trying to educate me on her product and trying to sell me on what my need is. Instead, if she had asked me, what prompted you to give us a call or how are you hoping I might be able to help you? I'd have told her that I needed a solution to file my taxes. I'd have told her that I was frustrated, that I was pulling my hair out, that I needed something fast. Remember the rule, sell today, educate me tomorrow. Sell me on what I need right now, what's my priority? And then tomorrow, you can tell me about all the other wonderful things that your product does. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Matt Fisher. Uh, Matt, we have a simple uh, rule here. Maybe it's a complex rule. That simple at Samuel Training by Roth and Associates. Uh, simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Therefore, if you want to solve a complex problem, apply a complex solution. Perhaps uh, you could share with our audience a complex problem that confronted you in your current company or in, in, in a company prior to a starting curiosity that you applied a complex solution that in theory they could move to their business, whether it was a payroll company or a IT company. Well, I can tell you about uh, uh, our client, Dean Foods. I think this is a, a very complex problem, and there were a lot of reasons why they needed to do this from an operational perspective. Uh, but I the one thing I would say is the important part of marketing, at least in that process, which is take a complex situation and make it simple to understand from a marketing perspective is what you want to do. So Dean came to us. Uh, Dean is a national dairy, liquid dairy company, and they had about 50 dairies across the country, each one uh, branded uh, uniquely. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that means... Uh, that each uh, region of the country, there were a lot of repetitive expenses that they had from an operations perspective. Their desire was to create a national brand of chocolate milk. Mm. Um, and in doing so, they would take a lot of costs out of the back end. So if you can imagine, if you have 50 dairies, you have 50 different types of bottles, 50 different types of labels, 50 different types of caps, 50 different types of uh, brand architectures that you have to satisfy. And uh, so that was a very difficult situation. Manufacturing nightmare. Yeah. So uh, a brilliant idea. Let's simplify this down to one national brand. We can save a tremendous amount of money uh, in operations. And, you know, that should be a relatively simple thing. Sounds uh, good. Sounds good. Uh, well, what we were able to help them do was, it, it, and the interesting thing is that there was a, a category dominated by Nesquik or Nestle. And... Uh, there hadn't been a lot of news in the category in a long time, and quite frankly, moms had not been thinking about chocolate milk for quite a bit of time. And so what we had to do is everything from figure out a positioning for Dean that was going to work and 
then be able to figure out how we're going to execute this and then launch it across the country Mm -hmm. and uh, help them be successful in this endeavor. So the name that uh, we came up with was True Moo Chocolate Milk. And uh, the positioning that we found really resonated with moms was that we are fresh milk with a touch of chocolate versus a chocolate company that adds dry milk solids to their Mm -hmm. product. So instantly we had a, a, from a product perspective, a superiority for moms. And then it was really helping her understand the difference between uh, is chocolate milk a, a snack, an everyday snack? Is it nutritious? Is it good for my kid? Or is it just a treat that you have every once in a while? And since nobody had really been talking about chocolate milk, we needed to help her, give her a platform to help her understand that. And so... Uh, the strategic insight was really something that we called a healthy debate where you present to mom the facts and let her make the decision. And, and the creative solution was to create two little milkmen who were like angels sitting on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. One was dressed in a white jacket and pants, and the other was wearing all red. So if you get a little bit of an angel-devil uh, connotation, that was on purpose. And the white uh, milkman was all about the purity and the freshness and the goodness of milk and how nutritious it is. And for a lot of kids who don't eat well, it is good nutrition for them. And the red milkman represented the id of the ego, which is nothing but taste and wanting you know to be satisfied in that way. And so we had a lot of fun with them going back and forth, but it allowed mom to make the decision. And so we launched uh, several years ago, and this year it'll be a billion-dollar brand. Uh, grew the category by 20% and mm-hmm. is now the number one uh, chocolate milk in the country. So took a very complex situation, uh, distilled it down to a simple proposition from a marketing perspective, mm-hmm. but then executed in a complex world. Yeah, that's a great story. It's a great story. Uh, in uh, In your company... Uh, by the way, what part of town are you located in? I live in Wyoming. And the company is in? Uh, downtown Cincinnati. We look right into uh, the Red Stadium, or right next to the uh, great, new Great American TR building there. So uh-huh. Atrium 2. Atrium 2. Uh, we, we kind of believe that there are uh, three key components to growth. People, process, and strategy. Can you talk for a moment about each one relative to curiosity? Sure. Uh, From a people perspective, uh, we really uh, look to hire people with tremendous aptitude. We're less concerned about what you've done in the past, and and we have discovered that if you hire people uh, for a world that's changing quickly in the future based on what they did in the past, uh, it generally doesn't work out well. Uh, So we really try to, again, measure their ability to uh, handle change, Mm -hmm. uh, understand and process uh, difficult, quick-moving problems, uh, understand how technology is affecting their clients' business as well as the way that we're going to speak to consumers. So uh, helping find those people who have that uh, magic touch uh, is both fun and interesting for us as a company because we really do believe we're, we're creating a, a great culture built around that. And then once we have them in, uh, support them with great training and constantly helping them get better at what they do, showing them a path to the future, helping them understand how they're going to grow, what their next jobs could be, and the skill sets they're going to need to be able to execute in those jobs. So mm-hmm. very important for us to develop those employees so that they see the long-term future with us. Um, in terms of process, everything we do is a process. And so being efficient is an important part of our ability to just make a profit uh, because the margins are not huge in the, the marketing services industry. So being a process-oriented, trying to create processes that the entire organization understands and can execute uh, without uh, a lot of uh, extra attention is a really important part of that. So we spend a lot of time uh, codifying those processes and making sure that people understand why we do it and why it works. So, for example, for a positioning process, we have one that's called Rambo, which is, is it relevant? Is it appealing? Is it motivating? Is it believable? And is it ownable? Mm-hmm. And so we put all of the positionings that we create for our brands through that test. The place where most brands fall down in that is in the ownable area. 
because a lot there's a lot of the sameness out there, and everybody uses the same claims and talks about the same things. So finding a positioning where you can really own, differentiated from your competitors, that's the place where courage happens with brands. So that's, again, a process that we have. And then I think strategy. So do you, do you like Sandler's finding power and reinforcement? <laughs> yes. Uh, in strategy, I think it is also the most important part of what we do as a business. So uh, research and insights, our strategy is that's what it is. And, and understanding what a consumer's thinking, how they're behaving, what part of their brain they're processing information through. Are you a functional sale or are you an emotional sale? Is this a lifestyle brand or are you just serving a very basic need? What are these things that are happening? But getting into that insight and finding a truly wonderful insight that informs a great creative brief, that's when you get great creative. And so that's just bedrock to what we do. We totally believe in it. and We're constantly working on our strategic processes to make sure that, again, the entire company can execute it. Are there any real changes that you're uh, attempting to make uh, to implement uh, more success? All the time. I would say that uh, right now we are reexamining every one of our processes and making sure um, that uh, they are living up to what's happening today. So uh, it's an organic process, I would say, too. Uh, the world continues to change, and we have to change with it. So we're making sure that the things that we do, uh, we're delivering on those things. I think... Um, understanding how we have to change uh, and and what layers of management we may have to add uh, in order to grow uh, and be successful. So we're 50 people now. If we want to be 100 people, what does that look like? So we're constantly looking at that and trying to understand how are we going to get there and what are the key pieces that we don't have, where are the gaps, where are the things that we need to, to add to be able to do that. So I would say... Um, we spend a lot of our time uh, thinking about that, which is fun and exciting because it's never been a more interesting time to be in business and grow. Yeah. Uh, are, are you a great user of cloud computing yourself or you have your own IT department and you keep everything on your own servers? Uh, well, it's a little bit of both. Um, I would say that uh, we have to have a certain amount of uh, flexibility. We deal with some super big files. Um, and so having your own servers allows you the flexibility to do things really quickly versus uh, sometimes the cloud can slow you down in that perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we use the cloud for a lot of our communication tools uh, to talk to both our clients and internally. Uh, so I would say it's a nice mix, and we're constantly uh, evolving. We're looking at a new project management software system platform right now because Again, we want to be better at forecasting, and so we're looking to see what's out there to help us do that. So it's part of that continuously looking to see what's going to help our business. Mm -hmm. So does that mean you have your own internal IT department? No, we do not. We have uh, decided that 10 brains are better than one, and uh, so we hire an outside firm that uh, has really done a great job for us, helping us uh, solve just about any kind of IT situation that we have, and they have people with different skill sets that they can bring in and help us do that. Now, I would imagine we're going to get to a certain point where it would start to make economic sense to have something inside, but we'll weigh the advantages and disadvantages when that time comes. Good. You'll have to refer whoever that company is so we can put them on the radio show. Terrific. Cool. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, for being Matt. I'm giving you a copy of uh, Sandler's first book, or anyway, the first public book. Thank you. can't you. teach your kid to ride a bike at a seminar. <laughs> uh, that's that's the book that uh, I was among a, a number of people that twisted his arm and said, you got to put together a public book. Uh, and David did that one in 95. And if anyone offers you an autographed copy, understand that it's definitely a forgery because he died before the hardcover <laughs> came out. And inside the book, you'll find a copy of uh, our training calendar in Cincinnati. Uh, Very good. A free pass for yourself and a, a million dollars because we always help everyone make an extra million dollars. I appreciate that. Thank you. Good. Scott, why don't you uh, take it away? Thanks for being on the show. I, I really enjoyed it. You're very welcome. 
Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.